When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Brandon Whedon joins us to preview Bedlam in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss the latest CFP rankings and preview Ohio State-Michigan. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Titans and Patriots, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, November 25th. Actually, it's Wednesday, November 24th. We're putting this out early, so whatever. And you're <laughs> listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in November from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $115,000 in cash bonus play and prizes in Riverwind's Let's Get Digital promotion. Preliminary drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize drawings will happen at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now, recording this earlier than normal, recording on Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, please email theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com. Happy Thanksgiving, Ted. Let's go. Love it. Best time of the year. It it arguably is one of the best weeks. Well, I think it is one of the best weeks of the year with Thanksgiving leading into, well, you've got all the football on Thanksgiving, right? NFL football. Then you've got some really fun college games, even though a lot of these rivalry matchups don't mean much this season. But the even the, the ones bil- that don't mean much sometimes do mean a lot, like South Carolina Clemson. I think that's a that's an awesome one this week, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, so you've got all the football, you get all the food, you're spending time with your family and friends. And then, you know, once Thanksgiving is over, Christmas season starts and that always puts everyone in a good mood. It's just, it's just a good week. It's a good week. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's probably the only 
holiday that whenever it's over, you're excited because basically you've got the month long Christmas still. Every other holiday is like, oh my God, that was awesome. But now I've just got months of work to look forward to. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But one of the reasons this week is great. Bedlam, baby. Bedlam. Let you, the, hey, do top- you think it ha- continues? Yeah. What the hell? What the hell? Listen, I I know what Gundy said, right? He doesn't think it's realistic that it keeps going once so using the SEC. My question is, why not? Why <laughs> not? He loses every year. I, mean- well, I get that. It's fine. But, hey, Florida plays Florida State. I mean, you mentioned South Carolina plays Clemson. Like, there's all these rivalries that take place between an SEC team, and there's a lot of them are ACC teams. Why the hell can OU and OSU not play? Like, put put the feelings to the side and play the game. It's great for the state of Oklahoma. Everyone enjoys it. Maybe OU fans enjoy it a little more than Oklahoma State fans because the Sooners win it the vast majority of the time. But I don't see any reason, like, them saying, oh, well, we're scheduled out of this. No. Just, just play the damn game. Play yeah. the damn game. We all want and the game. I feel like there's some OU fans that – they they don't call it a rivalry number one, which is fine. I don't care what you call it, but I, and it's almost like, well, we don't want we've we've been uh, we've been giving allowing you to play us for this long amount of time. Now we're done with it, but just understand that that game is going to be replaced by like Charleston Southern or something horrible, right? That's what they're going to replace that non conference game with. So. It's not going to be I, – I think it's, it's fun to have a, a good game, Power 5 game. Oklahoma State's way better than they have been historically. And even whenever it's a road game, you can still go. So I, I hope we keep it. I think any OU, fan, any OU fan that doesn't want it to stick around is misguided because you're spot on. You're going to get a bye game. We've talked about this in the past. Like, you're going to get a game – that you are going to complain about and it's going <laughs> right. to suck. You're not right. going to get like, it's not like, Oh, Oh, now they're going to replace it. Like we're going to play Oregon. Like, no, that's, that is not how it is going to work. So yeah. Bedlam needs to stick around, needs to stick around, do something, people make it happen. Okay. Before we get to kind of our breakdown of Oklahoma state and we got our man, Brandon Whedon, we got him Ted. Yes. He's here, but Lincoln Riley, he said some things in his press conference this week that caught my attention. Uh, the first was he expects Andrew Rame to play. And you, you know me. I don't ask about injuries. I don't like putting the coaches in that spot. It's not something that I like to do. But I'm, I, now I'm not a doctor either. But I have eyes. <laughs> and I have seen a lot of offensive linemen get rolled up the way that Rame did last week against Iowa State. And I do not think there's any chance in hell he's the starting center on Saturday night. I just, uh, uh, unless he flies to Germany and gets some of that treatment that like Kobe Bryant used to go and get, I, I don't have any idea how he would be the guy you trot out there first. Like, Robert Conjol is going to be the guy at center in my mind. And I don't know anything. I haven't asked, but I have eyeballs and Rame's knee got mangled in that Iowa state game. 
and he wasn't able to go back in the game. So I find it very hard to believe that Robert, Robert Conchal isn't going to be the starting center on Saturday night. And I kind of think that is, I'm not going to say it's a good t- good thing. You don't want anyone getting hurt, but this game is going to be a grown man strength game. Oklahoma State has old, strong, tough dudes on the defensive line. I think Conjol's a better matchup against Oklahoma State's defensive line. I, I really do. Now, I've talked about how good I think Graham is going to be down the line, but if the choices are a 100% healthy Conjol versus like a 60% Rame on like one and a half legs, I mean, what are we even talking about? Right? Like, I am. Am I looking at the, am I missing something here? Uh, well, you're right. Here's what you're missing. Uh, <laughs> Lincoln, Riley. So a couple of times this year, we've had guys that are, that were banged up in, you know, the previous game or maybe, um, weeks before and Lincoln Riley's asked about them in the press conference. And he's like, uh, it's still, it's too early to tell, um, you know, they'd have to make up quite a bit of ground between now and the game in order to play. And then when his press conference is done, Alex Grinch is up and the last Alex Grinch, the same thing. He's like, Oh yeah, he's practiced great all week. We expect him to be out there full go. Right. So Lincoln always, always underplays how ready someone is. So whenever there's someone that's injured, we saw him be injured. We know it looked bad and he could barely move. And he says, oh yeah, he'll be ready to play. Like the alarm goes off that he's not playing. <laughs> right. And on the other side, they asked about DJ Graham and he's like, oh man, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'd say he's, he's questionable at best. That tells me that DJ Graham will start on Saturday at corner. Right. That's just, that's the, that's how I interpret that language. Okay. That is what you're, you, you've got your Lincoln Riley translator out and that's what it's telling you. That's what it's telling me. I could be wrong, but whenever a guy almost gets the bottom part of his leg ripped off and the coach is like, Oh yeah, he's yeah, he's good. He'll be fine. I, I will be stunned, stunned. Well, especially whenever a guy came in and played well, right? Like, and he's, if you were, that's what he's been doing all year long. You replace him with a guy that's barely hanging on and is a massive liability. Well, then, okay, maybe we'll put you out there whenever you're on a um, on a damaged knee. But you know, if, since he played well, I would I would say that's what I'd expect as well. Yeah, and as, as far as left tackle, right, because we saw Anton Harrison get banged up in the game last weekend, and Eric Swenson came in at left tackle, played really well. It it sounds like those guys are splitting reps in practice right now. So don't know if it's going to be Harrison or Swenson at left tackle to start the game. If it were up to me, which is probably a good thing that it is not, but if it were up to me, it would be Eric Swenson at left tackle. Because like I said, it is going to be a grown man strength game on Saturday night. And I'd put the guy out there that has old man strength. And that is what Swenson has. Yes, I know. He's, he's got some limitations when it comes to his athletic ability, but I just think that in that setting, that circumstance, 
if if one guy's banged up and Swenson's healthy, I would I'd go with the the wily old vet personally. Now let's get not by decision. We'll see what happens, but I'd go with Swenson at left tackle. I think they should do uh, offensive line roulette, and there should be a big wheel on the side, and Beatenbow spins it, and wherever it lands, that's what position Swenson plays for the series. Ooh. Left tackle, right tackle, left guard, right guard. I they should try and get him to hit for the cycle, play every position in one game. I I think they're very comfortable with him playing either guard or tackle, and I know he works on snapping after practice every single day, <laughs> but he hasn't taken any reps at center in practice, uh, or maybe yeah. I love week. that Who he knows? can do that. I mean that the like he this may be overstating it, but he probably starts at every other school in the big 12 right yeah yeah i think so at left tackle or right tackle probably one or the other and or maybe guard i don't know but the ability to have a guy like that as your utility man is i that is a he, hold on he would not start a tackle at baylor yeah with their but scheme. would he start at guard there yes Maybe. Yes. Now you got me going through all the <laughs> offensive linemen that I've watched in the Big 12. This is a waste of time. We don't need to go through this exercise. But to, to have that as as a utility guy is a that's a huge, huge thing that OU has that no one else has that in the Big 12. No, I'm with you. All right. Let's talk some Oklahoma State. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We have the formula. The formula has been established for the Cowboys. Run the rock with Jalen Warren. Play great defense. And let's start with the defense, Ted. Really good. Really, really good on defense. Arguably the second best defense in the country behind Georgia. So I, I think a lot of people look at it and go, okay, what makes them so good? I've watched a ton of Oklahoma State's defense this week. and. It has, in my opinion, it has everything to do with Jim Knowles' scheme and how it has evolved. I think this is, this is the best scheme OU has played against since Georgia in the Rose Bowl, in my opinion. So typically, when I watch a defense enough, depending on you know, what personnel group the offense is in, you know, what formations they're in, I, I usually have a good read on what the structure of the defense is going to look like, especially the defensive front. That's really not the case with this defense. The front is the defensive front's alignment is rather unpredictable. And that that's really interesting, right? Because and their linebacker alignments change and where you know the a team comes out in a formation you're like why are they lined up that way? You you just look at it and you go why why are they lined up that way? And the way that they fit some things in the run game is a little different. It's they do some things that are unique, and I think that limits how complicated you can get with your game plan offensively, especially in the run game. So, so there's that, 
And then the coverage scheme is complex, right? It, it's complex, and it's, it's also very different than what you see from a lot of teams in the Big 12. Man, this is a coverage scheme that has man principles, but they also play a ton of different combinations of combo coverage in the back end where, you know, it looks like cover zero on one side and then they're playing cover two on the other, or they they're in this man scheme where Harville Peel's just sitting in the middle of the field lurking. And when you look back there, there's no deep safety. Like there's, there's some really interesting things they do and they are very, very aggressive and grabby. They'll hold the shit out of you at the defensive back positions and, you know, they haven't been called for that many penalties. They haven't, they haven't really been discouraged from doing it that way. So it's, man, I know that you, you know a lot more about defensive scheme than me, but man, this is, this is good. It's good. Yeah, no, it really is. And there's a couple of things that they do that a lot of people don't like, we don't see a whole lot of zone blitzes. We just don't. It's almost all man blitz stuff. And they'll run zone blitzes, which, you know, is a little bit I think I don't think they're they're necessarily great at creating pressure on the quarterback. I think man blitzes are better because you get the you get to add whenever you've got the back man to man or the tight end that stays in man to man. So in zone pressures, if you max protect, well, your numbers don't help nearly as much, right? You can't you can't add to the rush, um, but you know it changes things for the quarterback whenever you have a zone blitz because you've got underneath players where in a man blitz you don't. You're able to bang a slant in there, or if they can protect it long enough for a dig against man to man, it's it's way easier to con- to connect on those routes. But in a zone blitz, you've got underneath defenders that are out there playing as well. So um, it can be difficult. I like a lot of things they do, and their changeup is great. It, you know, they do some stuff where it's like it's zero, like combined with zone is strange, um, but it works for them. And and their, their underneath backers are really good in both blitzing and in zone coverage. It's just – it's a great dynamic. They're really good at what they do. Like you said, like there's not any players that are just, you know, I don't, other than Malcolm Rodriguez, Malcolm Rodriguez, I don't know that they have like any player, the rest of the, on the defense that is like the best at their position in the conference, but there's not any weaknesses anywhere. And they, they are really smart and good at what they do. And you've heard me talk about this a lot this year that you know, once a defense starts to be ranked high and they start they start to take every single play, every series, every third down, everything as an opportunity to to be ranked higher in the country. And it's not just looking at the scoreboard saying we're going to win the game. It's like you're trying to choke them out on every play. And that's when teams start to play really good team defense. Yeah, no, they're 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 definitely playing with a ton of confidence on the defensive side of things. And you, you mentioned something interesting because I, I think there's this misconception out there about the amount of pressure that they actually bring. And, you know, I was kind of charting it and 
they bring a blitz or like a linebacker stunt around 25% of the time, maybe. So like every, you know, every four snaps or so the, the weird thing is you, you hear people, you know, talking about Jim Knowles and all the cover zero and all that stuff. It, a lot of it turns into cover zero, but they're not blitzing. They're not bringing extra guys. Now they'll add on. They don't have, they have guys under, they don't have guys over. Correct. And it's, it's just, you don't see a lot of that, right? If a team's running zero, they're normally bringing like seven guys or six guys against empty protection, things like that. So it's, it's different. And you mentioned they've got good players, but you know, you and I, we both like Rodriguez. We both really like Colby Harvell Peel. Uh, I think Colin Oliver's probably got the brightest future of anyone, even though he's he's only a freshman for him. But this defense and Georgia's defense are very, very different from this aspect. Georgia's got five, maybe six early round picks. Oklahoma State, if, you, if we're talking about the next NFL draft, Oklahoma State doesn't have a single early round guy on this defense. So it's really, it's the scheme, it's the toughness, it's the confidence they're playing with, but it's not like they're just elite players on the field, which, you know, sounds, sounds like I'm criticizing them, but it makes it, it almost makes it even more impressive what they're doing from a team defense perspective. Mm-hmm. The fact that they don't have those types of guys out there and they're playing the level of defense they're playing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And in college football, it doesn't, it doesn't always correlate to, to how you play defense depending on, on the talent level, like NFL talent level. Uh, I look at OU's 2000 defense. That defense was unbelievable. But there was one first-round pick on that defense, and that was Roy Williams. Outside of that, you had third-rounders, late-rounders. Uh, you know, you wouldn't look at it and say that that was a elite, you know, personnel defense. But you know, throughout the, I think they played the number one offense in the country three times that that year, and and just totally dominated them. So I. They they kind of have that feeling that they've got a lot of local players. There's what maybe three or four, maybe maybe five local guys uh, from the state that are on that defense, and they just all play responsibility, sound football, and tackle in space. That's the key: tackle in space. Yeah. Okay. So as far as attacking them defensively, uh, looking back at last year's game, OU had a ton of success with screens against them last year and they've given up some big plays on screens this year i'm sure jim Knowles will have a plan for that but still there's there's definitely money to be made in the screen game against this defense and i think it's it's pretty simple man you got to be able to run the football right and i i think oklahoma can run it against them the defensive front is solid but it's not like they're just stoning double teams or anything like that when a team is is running zone concepts. So I, I think that Oklahoma's got to get that going. And then it's pretty simple, man. They, they got to win on the outside 
whether it's Marvin Mims, uh, I think Mario Williams is a guy that has the type of speed that could give Oklahoma State's defense trouble. They they got to run away from some of these guys in OSU secondary, and they're going to have to fight like hell to do it because they're going to have to fight through all the grabbing and holding. But if the pass protection holds up on a lot of snaps, that defense basically turns into cover zero without any blitzers. And there are big plays in the passing game to be made, Ted. There are. They're, they yeah. are there with what they do from a scheme perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's You've got to be able to run the football. That's where it all starts. And, you know, they get a ton of credit, and rightfully so, for how good they are on third down defense and how good they are getting to the quarterback number one in the country, sacking the quarterback. But the reason they're good on third down and they're good getting to the quarterback is they make you predictable by stopping the run. And if, if they're what they give up 80 some yards on the ground, a game in, in, in the running game, which is, it's this excellent defense. That's the key. If you can get into some better third downs, uh, better, better staying ahead of the chains and have some better opportunities. Cause here's the, these, are, that's the, the, the two really bad trends right now for Oklahoma. We've given up nine sacks in the last two games, nine. We are worst in the big 12 at giving up sacks dead last worse than Kansas, worse than everyone dead last they are number one in the big 12 at getting to the quarterback they're number one on third down defense you know what we are on third down the last two weeks gabe i know we were one for 10 against iowa state and it was it was not great the week before obviously in the loss we over the last two weeks on third down we are three of 19 on third down. Nice. <laughs> that is god awful. And we used to be like unbelievable on third down. We'd convert at like number 1 in the country, like 60% and you know we would never even be in third down. Uh it's it's crazy. So over the last 2 weeks we're converting third down at a 15% clip, which is horrible and we've given up 9 sacks. That is the worst possible trend going into this game against Oklahoma State we have to be better we have to run the football better and I like where you're going with the screen game easy completions Caleb Williams he's not seeing it good downfield he's not and it's not going to get any better this week it's probably going to be worse so easy quick completions where the ball's predetermined I think is what Lincoln needs to do to get him rolling and get him confident and I think if you're Jim Knowles and you're watching Caleb Williams struggle against some of that deep zone coverage that Iowa State played and that Baylor played, I, I know you come into a game and you're like, all right, we're going to do what we do. When you're playing defense at the level they're playing, it's like, all right, do we really want to make that many changes? But I think he's going to sprinkle a little uh, some of that in. He's going to be like, all right, go through, go through your progressions, figure it out. Figure yep. it out, freshman, and well, we'll see, but, man, I say it every week, I feel like. It comes down to running the ball, and it. this is really weird to say. TCU, 
and I know they lost 63 to 17 in that game. TCU in the first half, they moved the football. Now they weren't able to finish drives, and Chandler Morris made some just bad decisions and some bad throws in the passing game. But that first half of that game was was something in the last month of what Oklahoma State's defense has put on tape where I was like, okay, I think Oklahoma can have some success moving the football against this defense. And it all starts with running running the football well, which TCU did at times in that first half. And for whatever reason, they didn't stick with it. So I really think that's it, man. I, I think that with, with some of the struggles that Caleb Williams has had throwing the ball, Run the damn thing. Run and Lincoln it. has said that, you know, that's one of the things that has stood out to me this week. And he said it last night with Toby and I is he's got to help Caleb Williams out. And he's got to stick with the run a little bit more than he has in the last couple of weeks. And he's been saying that. So, I, and I feel like, I feel like Oklahoma State's, uh, Oklahoma State's offense, in my opinion, is not as good as Baylor's. And I know statistically in the Big 12, I think they're the number one offense in the Big 12 right now, number one rushing offense for sure in the Big 12 whenever you look at the eight Big 12 uh, conference-only games. But I don't think they're as good as Baylor, and I don't think they're as good as Iowa State. So I do think our defense is going to play well against them, and I do think Lincoln is going to be afforded the ability to stay patient and stay with the run. And – in a game that's going to be played like this, as close as it's going to be, Turk is a weapon. It's going to be a field position game. It's okay to punt the ball and put your defense in a good spot, pin them deep, make them go 80-plus yards to try and score on you. That's going to be okay in this game. So I think Lincoln, I think the style of game is going to afford him the ability to stay with the run whenever typically he may not. Yeah, let, let's, hope, let's hope the game doesn't come down to special teams. Ugh. Gross. Going to. Gross. Okay, it's looking at to. their yeah. I let's hope Burkich, let's hope the burrito curse has been uh, has been lifted. Um offensively for Oklahoma State. I mean, it's really not overly complicated what they do. And and they'll sprinkle in a different run here or there, and they'll do some things uh, with Spencer Sanders in the run game, but they they major in two plays, Ted. Stretch. And split zone. Now they run it out of 11 personnel, 12 personnel. Uh, they'll throw some RPOs off of it, but that's what they run. That is what they do. Uh, a couple different variations of zone. And Spencer Sanders has, has done a really good job recently with his decision-making and some of the RPO situations. And that offensive line, they do a solid job. Now, a little banged up. It's going to be interesting to see what they look like. Up front, I think, in, in particular, they've got a weakness at left guard. If Tyrese Williams has got to be the guy there, he's a little slow-footed. Um, and then Josh Sills, if he does play, right, he's beat the hell up right now. So we'll see. I think if you're looking at their offensive line, left guard is the weak point. Uh, I, I do think the right tackle is a little light in the ass, and the left tackle struggles with speed, and Benito is going to be a tough matchup for him. But they – in the run game, they're they're well coached. They're very composed in their tracks in the run blocking schemes. They do a good job of covering guys up, especially at the second level. I mean, it's good. And then Jalen Warren, uh, 
is he's really good in those schemes, right? He's got good vision. He runs through arm tackles even when guys go low. Um, he got some big ass thighs, which is always helpful or always helpful. So it's going to be a challenge because I think Oklahoma State looks at it and they're like, "All right, we're going to run it right at him." Because you know, going back to the spring and going back to some of the conversations I had with Mike Gundy before the season, man, they got after it in spring ball. They got after it in training camp. Uh, they scrimmaged a ton in the spring. And his whole thing was, we're, we're going to get tough. We're going to be the tougher team. Maybe some guys get banged up as a result of it. But he was like, hey, we're going to be a tough-ass team. And I think they're approaching this game and they're looking at it. And even though OU's defense is playing some better football these last couple of weeks, they're like, we're going to run it right at these dudes. Yeah. Which is weird. You know, I don't, of all my years playing football, I can only think of one guy that got hurt in a live drill, like a full on scrimmage type of situation. I can only think of one. Um, so I, you know, I think it's like a lot of coaches go lighter to avoid injuries. And I don't know that that, at least in my experience would prove out over time, but I don't know. That's my, uh, that's me advocating for more scrimmage type of, of practices and training camp. But um, here's what I think. I think that the first play of the game is going to be a bootleg. I think that they're going to run boot to slow us down a little bit. Uh, and probably start off with boot or reverse to slow the pursuit down from our defense. And it's, it's no different than NFL, college, high school. It's copycat. Kansas beat us with some split zone quarterback running game. Baylor copied it and had some success with Bo Hannon. Oklahoma State's going to do the same exact thing with Spencer Sanders. They're going to try and use his legs a little bit more. Now, they're not going to get crazy with it, but they're going to give him some opportunities. And we have to prove that we can react to that play, the split zone, and they even uh, bring the extra blocker off of the ghost motion in it and get two guys back on the front side, which means we got to get safety or someone else coming across. We're going to see that from Oklahoma State. They're going to copy it. They're going to make us prove that we've figured it out over the last couple of weeks. But zone and boot, man, that's what it's going to be. They'll take some shots with Martin down the field. Um, and we've been susceptible to some of that, but we've, we've also played it well at times. But they're going to be ultra conservative. And taking shots downfield is conservative. It, w- w- what's difficult for a quarterback is the intricate deep digs, crossing routes with digs over the top where you got to read it out. It's easy to to just go one-on-one and throw the rail shot. that That's easy. Throw it to where only your guy can get it or right there out of bounds and try and loosen up the defense. That's what I think we're going to see a steady dose of. The RPO stuff is, I think it's good for them, but I think it's dangerous. Like There's a play against Tech where they run an RPO. I think it's an RPO down on the goal line. And if it's not batted down at the line of scrimmage, the safety's right there. It's probably 95-yard pick six. Um, and Spencer Sanders will make some mistakes. And they, I think Oklahoma State realizes, and maybe he realizes, that they're better whenever the ball's out of his hands 
they're going to limit whatever they can from him, but there will be some opportunities for RPO stuff. But zone of boot, man, zone of boot and the quarterback uh, run game built in off of it, off of the split action. Yeah, and just some sprint out stuff, some sprint out with those level routes where he's just leaning, hey, high to low, easy throws. I will say, I very much am looking forward to Key Lawrence versus Tay Martin. You talk about a shit talking battle. I cannot <laughs> wait. That's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Now, they're not they don't travel with guys or anything like that in Grinch's scheme, but that is I I cannot wait for chippy game. This. I hope it's a chippy game. It should be. It's bedlam. I, I, I hope it is. I it should be. I think Oklahoma has has played that way in this football game over the last three or four years. And I hope they come out and do it again. Um, you know, I, I do. I think it's going to be crucial for us to have some early success because it has the feeling with how good they are this year, with the vitriol that's going to be in the stands, that if you don't get out and get off to a good, decent start, that thing could cave in on you. Yeah. No, it, it, the atmosphere is going to be wild and – Oklahoma State's a good football team, man. Really good football team. Uh, they're ranked seventh in the country for a reason. But as far as looking at that defense, they're good, but they're not invincible. I uh, I think OU can have some success, especially some of those, you know, some crossing routes, some things, you know, kind of man beater situations for Lincoln. But it, it comes down to running the football, protecting Caleb Williams, and then, you know, defensively for Oklahoma. I've, Kind of just like, all right, keep doing what you've been doing Do these thing. last couple of weeks. Yep. Do your thing. I think it's going to be a, an easy week of prep for them. They're not going to throw a whole lot at us and just don't make mistakes and tackle well. Let me ask you a question. Do you think we see Spencer Rattler? Um, if it goes poorly early, right? If if Caleb is, you know, holding on to the football and not seeing things clearly kind of looks a little panicked. I don't think Riley will have any problem going to Rattler. Right. I now hopefully Caleb Williams gets off to a really good start and they give him some easy throws. The run game gets going. He gets to use his legs a little bit. Like I think it's really important for them to get him into a rhythm. The first couple drives of the game where we see, you know, that animated, you know, passionate version of him mm-hmm. that seems to come out when he's really got things rolling. Uh, it would be, it would be really nice for him to get off to a good start. But at some point, hey, if the game feels like it's getting away from you, uh, you know, kind of in the late first quarter, uh, early second quarter, you can't just sit there, right? We, Baylor's going to be I, tech earlier in the day, yeah. and, and you're going to have to win to go to the Big Twelve Championship. I I personally trust. Spencer Rattler in the passing game a lot more than I do Caleb Williams. And uh, if it gets to a point where we're really struggling running the ball, like a lot of people have struggled running the ball against him, uh, it wouldn't shock me if Lincoln made that move. But I don't know. We'll see. Caleb still has that threat, man. Like he has the ability to take it 75 at any moment in a game, and you need that big playability. Right. All right. We've got one call your shot, and this comes from at Sooner Rundown on Twitter. And I feel like I feel like this is this may be the game in a nutshell. 
He says, if we don't get ahead of the chains on first and second down, we are in for a long night, plain and simple. Yep. I, yeah. I totally agree. That's the thing. You gotta be able, you gotta be able to get ahead. You've got to have some third and shorts, third and manageable to be able to convert, have your playbook open. If you are predictable, they are gonna eat you alive. Yep. And then at will underscore cow. I feel like he 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 is he's thinking the way a lot of people are thinking. He says, I ain't gonna sugarcoat it. Out of my 30 years of living this wonderful life, this is the most nervous I've been. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of OU fans are nervous about how this one is going, and I wish we could make you feel better, but I don't know if OU's going to be able to run it on them. Listen, if OU can run the football, I think they're going to win the game, right? I think across the board, OU's got more talent, but that place is going to be insane on Saturday night. So you got to, you got to weather that storm of the crowd, the energy, all that stuff. And I, that's why I think the the first quarter, those first couple offensive drives, because if they have success running it, Ted, and I've, I've been part of games like this where, you know, you're confident going in, but you really don't know until you get out there. Like, Hey, can we run it on these dudes? And if they have some success, you know, zone blocking and then a little of the counter stuff sprinkled in there early in the game. I think you're going to see OU's offense. Like it's almost like they're going to get a little more energy and be like, all right, all right, we can, we, we can, uh, we can take it to this defense. So that's the, the first couple possessions of this game offensively for Oklahoma, man, they are, they feel like they're going to be massive. Critical, totally critical. Uh, it's interesting because We've really struggled running the football against teams that aren't anywhere close to Oklahoma State defensively. But then there's been other moments where I thought we would have a really hard time running it, and we came out and were able to to run it pretty well. So I I hope we can. If we can't, the game is going to unfold pretty much like all of Oklahoma State games have unfolded, I think. Yeah. So I'm with you. All right, let's get to our Bedlam preview with Brandon Whedon. But we got to do birthday shout-outs. Happy sixth birthday to Baylor Teon. Baylor, listen to me carefully. Listen to me very carefully, Baylor. Let me save you a lifetime of disappointment, despair, sadness. You do not want to be an Oklahoma State fan, Baylor. Be an Oklahoma Sooner fan. Just trust me, little man. OU's the way to go. I'm just may, telling you. It may seem good this year, but in the long run, I assure you, it's going to be better. It's going to yes. be better being a, a Sooner fan. All right, Baylor. Now you know. Happy 40th birthday to Dr. Josh Robinson. Happy 40th birthday to Dr. Trent Herda. Apparently, just doctors listening to this left and right, Ted. It's a, it's a big month for 40, too. Everyone's turning 40 over the last couple of weeks. I love it. Yep. And happy late third birthday to Thomas Beckett, right? And happy late 26th birthday to Jacob Ferguson, the best damn UPS driver in America. We appreciate you. Happy birthday. The only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Love's has given us a $25 game day gift card giveaway each week. This is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at a Loves on your way to Bedlam and make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and Loves Twitter account. 
We'll contact you if you are the winner. Pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go mobile zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And also bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs, making banking easy wherever you are. First Fidelity Bank, they're just great. They provide... Oh, more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here he is. Here's Brandon Whedon. It is our pleasure to be joined by the best quarterback in the history of Oklahoma State football. You can catch him now on TV. He's doing stuff with ESPN. He's doing stuff with Channel 5. He's everywhere. Brandon Whedon, you're everywhere, sir. Man, it's been kind of crazy. It all happened fast, man. <laughs> I went into football season not really having a job. Next thing you know, I'm grinding, watching more tape than I did probably when I even played. So it's uh, it's been fun, man. I'm I'm having fun, been around the game, just trying to keep up with you guys. I don't know about all that, man. Okay, this. No, you you got it, man. You are you're the man right now, and I don't know how working. How's your golf game? Is it falling apart this fall? Brutal, man. I haven't played. I played – see, I played once last week. I just got back from Florida. Let me preface that. So, I just got back from the Floridian. I played the Floridian for a couple of days, and I went down and played at a place called Adios. And, but I hadn't been playing, so my game, it was awful. But – so, no, to answer your question, I think I've got four rounds since football season started. For those, for those of you that don't know, that is like – that is incredibly low for our man. Yeah. We, uh, okay, <laughs> before we – before we dive into Bedlam and kind of what you've you've seen from this Oklahoma State team, it's going to be a top 10 matchup, Oklahoma State at 7, OU at 10. I just got to know, how many points? How many points? That 2011, or 2011 offense of y'all's, how many points are you guys putting on this year's Oklahoma State defense? Because all anyone's talking about is this defense. I'm convinced you guys hang 40-something on them. People, I don't think people remember how good that offense was. Uh, we were good, man, but I, I'm not sure we played a defense like this. I mean, I, I don't think we played a defense that can get after the passer like this for sure. I mean, maybe Stanford, maybe a little bit here and there. I mean, I, I got hit quite a bit in that Fiesta Bowl. Um, man, I don't know. I, actually, I went on with Dusty and Danny this morning, and they asked me the same question. I, I had a hard time. I I don't know. I, I, I think we would score plenty of points, plenty of points to win. Um 50 seems like a lot. I don't think that's possible. I, 35, I would say 35 max. You know, the hard part is you can't run it. And we were like, our year against you guys, Gabe, we, we ran the football. And that was the first game of my life. I never thrown a touchdown. I mean, we just dominated line of scrimmage and ran, ran it up and down the throat. So we had that element. And then we had a guy named Justin Blackman that wasn't bad either. So um, if they want to play man coverage and get leave him one-on-one, 
then maybe we could have scored 50, but I don't see them playing man coverage with 81 over there. It's crazy, you know, and you got to give credit to Gundy. You know, he's been talking about, like, they needed to change up their style a little bit in, in order to continue to win games and be a more complete football team, you know, because it's different, and it's got to be different for you to watch to see – stick with the run game, really conservative, kind of take the game out of Spencer Sanders' hand. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different ways to win football games, and you got to give credit for him adapting. Yeah, it, and it took me a few weeks just watching. Like, I got frustrated. It's like, man, it's not what you're used to seeing, right? I'm used to seeing high flying, spread around, chunk it. Now, I will say defenses have changed in the Big 12. I mean, a lot more drop eight, a lot more conservative defenses, try to keep everything in front. So that's a, that's a part of it. Um, but yeah, like you said, this recipe is kind of abnormal for Oklahoma State. I mean, you talk dominant defense, good run, really good run game, and then a quarterback that's playing probably his best ball since he's been on campus. But I think that's honestly been the key. The defense we've all talked about, but Spencer, man, like, what's he done? 11 touchdowns in the one pick, and really the one pick was a good play by the defensive lineman. So he's taken care of it. But I think more than anything with him, and I've said this for two years, two and a half years now, is when he was. First on campus, even a second year playing, he felt like he had to make every single throw. And that's just part of being a young player, not being in there. And, you know, that's a good, you're playing good defense. You're playing Division One athlete. Sometimes it's not there. Find your back, throw it out of bounds, take a sack, whatever it may be. He wouldn't do that. He would just chunk it up, you know. So they've got him playing better. He, he's obviously well coached. Um, but you got to tip your cap to Gundy, man. I mean, him and Jim Knowles have put together a plan, especially my defensive side of the ball, and say, hey, look, we're going to win with our defense, and our offense is going to do just enough. And, again, Oklahoma State fans aren't used to seeing it, but, hell, I think it's fun. I'm having more fun watching this, this defense than, uh, than a lot of offenses that have been through there. Yeah, winning, uh, winning is fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Winning, winning is fun. So you've called a couple of their games, right? So you've been able to really dive into the tape when it comes to this defense, man. What what stands out about it to you? Because the unpredictability of the front is as an as an lineman kind of is what stands out. Where like you think you know what they're going to be in uh, with what personnel grouping you're in, uh, formation you're in, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wait, why are they aligned that way? Like what is happening? So what what kind of stands out to you about this defense and what they do structurally? Well, I think there's a, there's a few things. One, I think you know. When he, when he came, when Knowles came to Stillwater, it was a very complex system. I don't think the guys really got it, right? So all these guys have been in the system. So now they're able to be a little bit more aggressive, be able to, to be a little bit more exotic. Um, but, I mean, I think it starts up front. I mean, I don't – and like I said, in the last 20 years, I can't think of a pass rush or a D-line that's been this dominant. I mean, we're talking, what, 22 sacks in the last three games or something crazy. That's never happened up there, leading the country in sacks. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the movement up front. It's the ability to, you know, to blitz, bring guys from, you know, disguise and bring guys from, you know, different, different areas. Um, but I, I think two things make them a, a really good defense. I think their depth is one, but I think their, their ability to tackle in space. I think they're a really good tackling team. And, you know, that, again, hasn't been the case up there, I would say, consistently. But this is a very good, consistently, consistent tackling team, you know, and, and it's, in, in my opinion, and Teddy, you know, as good as anybody, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez kind of leads the way there in the middle. And the dude's not even up for the Buckus Award. You know, top three defense in the country. And the guy should be. For, he should be. It's a, it's a joke. But, um, so, I, you know, I just, I just think he's got a great scheme. He's able to change things up with that front. He's got linebackers. And he, he's aggressive. 
you know, and when I was there, it was four down, cover four, four down, cover four, four down, cover four, every time, you know, and, and now it's, now they're playing some man, now they're playing some cover six, now they're, you know, blitz one, they're, they're running, I mean, they're running all, all sorts of stuff. So, um, you know, as an Oklahoma State guy, I, I think Caleb may have a hard time with it. And I, I said that earlier to Dusty them, I'm like, if I'm them, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blitz his ass in the first quarter and I'm going to hit him over and over and over as many times as I can just to get him uncomfortable and, and uh, see what he can do. But Jim knows, he knows how to dial, dial it up and he's got good players. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's scheme wise, it really doesn't matter what you run scheme wise. If you can't tackle in space, you know, one-on-ones, it really doesn't matter. But if you can, uh, you make the coach right. You know, it, it's, it's all about tackling. Um, I'm with you coming after Caleb. My question to you is, do you worry? And I think they've been great on the back end in one-on-ones. Whenever they have dialed it up, those guys have covered well. And I think there's, you know, whenever you start to get a reputation playing good defense like Oklahoma State is, I think officials allow you to get away with a little bit more on the back end when you when you got a reputation being a good defense. But do you worry at all with some of OU's wide receivers in one-on-ones, or do you feel confident about those battles? No, I think I think you got to pick your spots. I don't think you just want to line up and say it's going to be a cover one day and it's going to be man-to-man all day. I, I just I think you're asking for asking for trouble. Um, I, I think you got to play some zone, got to play some play some coverage. You know the thing, like if I'm, I was thinking about this, like when I was playing, I was like, hey, if I'm a defense coordinator, how would I attack me? And if I'm attacking a guy like Caleb Williams, I'm going to disguise. I'm going to try to you know give him some blitzes, but I'm going to play coverage. I'm going to play some zone. I'm going to sprinkle in some man. I'm going to play some zone and force him to go through progressions, throw balls into windows, and be patient. You know, if it's one on one, single high safety, you play man. I mean, that's that's about as easy as it gets, right? I mean, maybe tighter windows, but you got weapons like Marvin Mims and these dudes out here that can play, that's that's what a freshman quarterback wants. He doesn't want to read cover two, cover six, cover four. You know, he doesn't want to go through all that. So um, to answer your question, I think they gotta they gotta play a little bit more zone maybe than they have been, you know, and sprinkle some zone pressures in and, and do some things there. Um, because I think you know, to counter that, I think Oklahoma's gonna probably run a little more quick game, screen, get the ball out of his hands, try to slow down that pass rush, maybe max protect a little bit. Um, but I think you I think you got to pick your spots. I think if you want to line up play cover one eighty percent of the time, it's I think you're just, you're asking for asking for trouble. With with what we've seen from <laughs> OU so far, and, and what we've seen from Oklahoma State's defense when it comes to stopping the run, do you do you think OU can run it on them? Uh, I mean, do you think that? And we'll see what the O line looks like for the Sooners, but do you think they could you know run it? 45, 50 times in this game and, and have some success doing it that way? I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's going to be times where Kennedy Brooks is going to break off a couple of nights. He's a good back. You know, they got a pretty good offensive line. I mean, so I think where Oklahoma's gotten in trouble is they've gotten a little impatient and kind of got away from the run game a little bit more than they probably should, in my opinion. Um, but I think you got to be, you know, it, it may be two here. It may be one here, maybe 12 there. You know, so they're going to they're going to you know, get some chunks in there, I would assume. Um, but Oklahoma State's done a pretty good job of stopping the run. They, they've done it. You know, again, they've tackled well at the second level. Those linebackers can run sideline to sideline. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, oh, you can run the football. I mean, they, they're they going to have to run the football. They're going to have to stick with the run. They can't they can't get one-dimensional, especially early. I think Oklahoma State's got to find a way to make them one-dimensional and keep Caleb in the pocket. But 
Uh, if you're Lincoln Riley, I mean, you got to run it. Like I said, it's not going to be pretty all the time. You're not going to get chunks every time you tote, you know, every time you tote it. But I think you have to you have to stick with the run game. You got a big back. He's a bruiser. Um, he's a good back. So you got a couple of good backs. So it, I think they got to stick with it uh, if they have any chance to to win the game. I have a feeling. I, I mean, this may we've seen some high scoring games recently in this series. I, this game wouldn't shock me if it was like 14-10 or something yeah. like that. I, I feel like it's going to be called really conservatively on both sides. I think obviously Oklahoma State prefers that type of game. And with the way that, you know, Caleb Williams has played, and you talked about it, some of that zone stuff, the last two weeks, he's just not seeing it. He's no. under 50% completion. He's thrown, what, three interceptions to one touchdown in the last two games. My guess is it's going to be a super conservative uh, game plan from Lincoln as well. And my question is, you know, Gundy, a lot of people complain that whenever it comes to this game, he's too conservative and he kind of goes into a hole. Uh, is, like, how do you think that dynamic's going to work out? And are there going to be times whenever he, he gets risky out there, whether it's uh, a fake on special teams or just something to try and create a big play? Yeah. I- and I would kind of agree with that. I think there's been times where he's got a little conservative, a little too close to the best, you know, playing not to lose, however you want to say it. Um, and I think it's I think it's jumped up and bit him. I think he's had to answer that question so much now <clears throat> that I wouldn't be surprised to see a little more aggressiveness, a little more attack. You know, I, I think when I was there, he wasn't really involved in the offense. You know, it was Dana, it was it was uh, Monkey. And those dudes, they're just wired that way. Like, they're not going to be conservative. We're going we're gonna to do what we do. Um but like we said earlier, this is a different recipe for this team, you know, so don't put a ton on Spencer. Whatever you've been doing the last few weeks, don't change it, I think. Uh, but Gundy, he's not known for doing a bunch of fakes. He's not known for a ton of trick plays. I know they ran one last week. Um, you know, he's, he keeps it pretty close to the vest. He likes to run the football. He wants to run zone read. He wants to run the option. He wants to do those things, control the clock. Um, but I'm with you, man. I see it being a, a relatively lower scoring game. I, I, I don't see a, a shootout. I just don't see it with, with – I think OU's playing better on defense. I think they're, you know, getting a little healthier. And, and, I mean, they're not great. Ta- tackling in space, I think, I would say, has kind of been their issue, you know, especially earlier on in the year. But, um, yeah, I, I see this game kind of being a little different than, than the years past, just a little lower scoring, a little more conservative on both sides. Um, but, again, I, I think it's I think it's which quarterback takes care of the football, which quarterback doesn't screw it up, you know, which, which the turnover margin is always key. But, um you know, Caleb, when he first came in against Texas, when I was singing his praises, I mean, he looked great for three weeks there. And then he saw a couple of really good defenses. And it's like, oh, you know, maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit. You know, it got tougher on him. So, and that's the case. So this will be the best defense he's seen. Um, and Oklahoma State's got to rank it. They got to show up, man. It's going to be, uh, it's not going to be easy for either team. And uh, maybe a, who has the ball last type of game, which I'll be there. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll all be there, but you'll be drunker. Than us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's not fair, Whedon. But okay, looking at looking at Oklahoma State's offense, right? Because I, I do think they're going to have to score some points to win this game. Um, you look at you look at what Jalen Warren has meant to this team before the season, man. I mean, they thought what he was going to be maybe a goal line short yardage back, and all of a sudden he is. I mean, he's the key to this offense. Just how surprised are you with? how important Jalen Warren has been for this team and just the type of season he's had. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little shocked. So I called their week one game. So I was in Stillwater before the practice, or before that game at practice. And and uh, 
all the equipment guys and some of the assistants, I mean, you got to watch seven. Like, this dude's going to be the real deal. Now, I didn't think – I thought L.D. Brown would be the guy. You know, he didn't even get that many reps in practice. He may have gotten two or three carries, you know. And, and um, you know, and then he comes out and dude's just been balling. I mean, he's he, – there's been games where he's literally put the team on his back. And um, But people up there were – they were they knew about him. They, they felt good about him. And, you know, they tried to tell me early on before he even touched the field and – here we are. I think it was a Boise game. He kind of had his come out, you know, breakout game there on the road. Um, but yeah, he's been a he's been a horse for him. He's been a horse, and um, you know, the young kid Dominic Richardson too. He, he can. I like him. I mean, he's a bigger back, runs a little high, but he can he can uh, he can go. And I think they're they're fine for the running back position. We've, we've been good at the running back position for a long time, and you know, that just for me. You know, Spencer's playing well, but I think that that's that's helped him the most is take a little off his plate and just turn around and hand it to, to the 7 and 20. I think the biggest complaint over the last couple of years with Oklahoma State has been the offensive line. Um, you know, obviously defense playing great. They've got weapons at wide receiver, running back. Spencer Sanders, when he plays well, is really good. But the offensive line uh, has has been a struggle at times. Played better this year, but you know, they're still banged up. They've had guys in and out, got another guy banged up against Texas Tech, and they're going to be going up against uh, maybe whenever they play well, the strength of Oklahoma's team is that defensive line. How do you see that matchup going down? I think that's, in my opinion, that's going to be the key for the entire game. Uh, can that defense, can that offensive line control the pass rush, get movement in the run game? Uh, they've they've played better than I you know early in the year I was I was hard on them. I mean I, I didn't think they played well um, they looked a little soft they didn't you know they weren't getting pushed in the run game they they turned the corner they've played better now I, I think this will be their biggest biggest test I think, I think the front four especially front three however you want to call it you know the front for the OU's is pretty solid um, so yeah I, I think that's going to be the difference in the game who wins a lot of scrimmage and. Uh, you know, we, we could say that probably in any game we play, but this one probably more so than ever because both teams are going to try to run, run the football with their big backs. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma's – they've probably had to answer that question all year too. It's like, you know, can, are you guys going to be able to do anything against this this front? I mean, Isaiah Thomas and all the – I mean, what, those dudes, they got some dudes. They're big dudes. They're athletic. So, um, I'm not sure the health. I really haven't looked into that. I'm not sure if, if Oklahoma State's healthy up front or not. I know Seals went out with an injury last week, but – um, you know, they're going to have to play their best game. I mean, they're going to they're gonna have to come up and show up and dominate because, I mean, they're kind of coming into form. Uh, I would, I would, y'all would have to probably agree that everybody talked about how good they were going to be up front defensively. I wouldn't say they probably lived up to those expectations, which are high lofty expectations, but I would say they're, they're playing better in spots. So you can't let those guys wreck the game. Um, you got to hit them in the mouth and control the scrum. Yeah, I think, you know, they're, they played their best game of the year against Iowa State. Uh, I think we'd all agree on that. And they're going to have to play well, right? Because OSU is going to try to run it right at their ass. And it's, if they can't stop that, then that, that offense is it's going to be wide open. So I, I think we all saw what Tay Martin said. Uh, we all, uh, knowing, knowing you two the way I do, I think we all have the same mentality as him. But it's one thing to, to think it and say it behind closed doors. It's another to say it publicly in a press conference, said it, and you can almost see the grin on his face. Like, uh Oh uh, yeah, I said it. All right. Let's it. Yeah. What, uh, what'd you think of that? Because I, I loved it, man. I think that's, that's the type of stuff I, I want 
going into this game. Like that's that's fun, but there's been a big deal uh, made about Tay Martin saying that he expects to kick OU's ass. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, whether you believe it or not, obviously he believes it, and he probably regretted it, in my opinion. I mean, I'm sure Coach Gundy wasn't real fired up about it, but uh, I'm with you, though. I mean, you know, add a little spark. I know some bullets and board material, and, um, you know, as a fan and as a person, you know, talking about the game all the time, hell, I think it's fun, you know. But on the flip side, if I'm playing quarterback and I'm Spencer Sanders, but dude, shut up. You can say all you want after we go win. You know, let's let's go take care of business first, man. I, I'm old school in that sense as well. So, um, I don't know, man. I, as far as the rivalry side, I, I think it's fun. It's good. It's fun. Uh, it's, but it's just going to – it's just going to – a lot of little fire that Oklahoma may not have had. I mean, all, all Lincoln Riley's got to do is play that clip, and uh, it won't take much to get that locker room fired up. So, I don't know. I, I liked what he said, but I would have waited – I would have waited until, like, Saturday night, late night, and, and said it there. <laughs> That stadium is going to be insane. I was there for that 2011 game on the sideline. Uh, it was can it we, was crazy. Can we just then. not? Can we not? <laughs> no, let's talk yeah, about. We, let's we, talk about we got our asses kicked. We couldn't move the football <laughs> at all. That's what, everyone remembers your guys' offense. It was it was on our offense. We couldn't do anything. It was uh, it was bad. Well, okay, fine. Talk about it. Fine. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, though. There's the SEC stuff that went down in the summer. So, obviously, there's a lot of frustration with that. Um, you know, and then I don't know. I thought Oklahoma State was going to be okay. I didn't think they were going to be a, you know, a 10-1 football team coming into the last game of, of the season. So, I think, you know, and whenever you're way better than maybe people expected, that gets a bunch of buy-in from the fans. Like, is this going to be the craziest atmosphere they've seen there in a long time? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, if you told me three weeks in the season, they'd be sitting here with 10 wins, I would have gone to Vegas and put every penny I have on the under. I mean, I would have been shocked. After the, the first three weeks, I think I picked against them, like, for the next, like, I don't know how long. Then finally I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it now. Yeah, I, you know, it. It was frustrating. People, and there was people around here that were wanting Gundy out. I'm sick of seeing it. You can't, you know, the whole deal. Now he might be on the short list for coach of the year. But now that place is going to be ruckus. I mean, night game, full day of tailgating. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's, you know, one of the top two or three robberies in all sports. Obviously, we grew up right in the middle of it, which is a little biased there. But, man, I think that place, you know, you're so close to the – you guys know you've all been there. You're so close to the sidelines. Paddles are going to be going. Fans are going to be yelling. Um, I don't know what. I don't know if Holder did it this year. Did he allow OU fans to buy tickets? I assume not. He probably allotted however many in that one little end zone. But uh, it's going to be a lot of orange, a lot of black. I'm not, I'm not sure what they're doing color wise, but it'll be. Uh, it's going to be rowdy, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'm going to. I'm going to slow down the Michelob Ultra so I can at least remember part of the game <laughs> and uh, and enjoy it. I'm just wondering if they're selling turkey legs this year. Uh, you got to look out on the sideline if they are flying turkey legs. <laughs> uh, that'd be good. All right. Before we let you get out of here, Whedon, how do you see it going? Uh, what do you think is going to happen Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, kind of like Teddy said, I kind of see it, you know, who has the ball last, who can get a stop late in the fourth, um, a lower score. I see a few more points in 14-10. I'm going to – I'm going to say something closer to 24-20. 
something like that, maybe Oklahoma State. I'm not sure what the total. What's the total on this game? You know, fifty. Fifty. Yeah, some fifty. Wow. I think that's too much, personally. But yeah, that's that's a bigger number than I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag out. You know, obviously, I think OU's playing better on defense. I think they, they really are. They were getting crushed there mid part of the year by by everybody about how you know they had some injuries, which every team's going through. But they're playing better on defense. So um, I'm, I'm just worried about Oklahoma State being able to score enough points and uh, not letting Caleb Williams get in the rhythm playing with confidence because we've seen him when he's confident. You just gotta again hit that dude right in the chin early on and hopefully uh, give him a little rally. He's still a freshman. I mean, it's called a spade a spade. I know he's super super talented, but he's still a freshman. He probably hasn't played in an environment like that other than maybe OU Texas. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be rowdy up there. I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. I'm gonna take the pokes twenty four to twenty. Twenty four twenty Oklahoma State. We'll see you on Saturday, man. Hey, l- listen, I know you said to take it easy uh, on the drinks, but actually just have a couple extra for me and Ted. We're going to be sober calling the game. Come on, man. I'll bring you guys I'll, I'll bring you guys one of the press box. They're late the fourth. I mean, you guys can sip on a beer as you guys finish up. But Perfect. Hopefully, hopefully it's a yeah. happy beer for us. Yeah. All right, man. You're the man. Win, thanks. You got it. See y'all. <sighs> Sounds like our man Whedon is, is expecting an Oklahoma State victory. Yeah, uh, it's hard not to. If you're an Oklahoma State fan, you've been watching that team all year. You feel like this is the year. It's been difficult. Rarely have they gotten over the hump against Oklahoma, but this is this is the this is the best team they've brought to the to the matchup since Whedon's 2011 team, in my opinion. Yeah, going to be fun. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, fall is here, but does weather really matter? It's always hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Elworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right. Normally, we talk games here, but a bunch of these rivalry games don't have many implications other than bragging rights for the fan bases, which of course, very important, but you look at the egg bowl really doesn't mean much in the big scheme of things on Friday. Iron bowl has lost all of its sizzle this season. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Ohio state, Michigan here in a second, but I guess let's just talk about some college football playoff scenarios. Cause it's still, it's still clearly the most important thing in college football. And, New, new rankings come out 
Georgia one, Ohio State two, Bama three, and Ted, your Cincinnati Bearcats. It's been two years in the making, buddy, but they have finally cracked the top four for the first time in the eight-year history of the college football playoff era. A group of five teams is in the top four. How do you, how do you feel? You've been you've been leading the charge for Cincinnati for a while. Uh, you and I, we both think they're a really, really good football team this season. How's it feel, man? Do you feel vindicated? You or are you satisfied? Um, it feels it feels okay, but for whatever reason, I get the overwhelming feeling that they're they're going to be carved out no matter what. I, I don't know why, but I'm starting to feel that way. But congratulations for being in and getting a taste of it. It's only going to make the carve out even more painful if it happens. But I think they're I think they're definitely worthy of being there right now. Right. And they are in they're in a really good spot when you look at it because you got Michigan at five, Notre Dame at six, uh, and then Oklahoma State at seven, Baylor at eight, Ole Miss at nine, and then the Sooners checking in at number 10. So really, when you look at it, if you're talking about teams that have a realistic shot of making the college football playoff, I, I think it's, it's eight teams, right? Georgia, Ohio state, Bama, Cincy, Michigan, Notre Dame, which seems unlikely because they're not going to have a conference championship game. And then I, I think Oklahoma state and Oklahoma still have a chance. So you look at Cincinnati. I, I wonder it seems like in their perfect world, you know, Georgia beats Bama and they're all good, right? Mm-hmm. Because Michigan, Ohio State's going to take care of itself. They're not going to put Notre Dame in over Cincinnati when Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. They just can't do that. As much as they want to do it for the ratings, they just can't do it when Cincinnati went to South Bend and beat them by double digits. You just can't do it, Ted. So, well, I would say that you can't do it, but we saw him do it this year with Michigan State in Michigan. So, uh, but Michigan State think, had a loss. Remember, they had just yeah. lost to Purdue. Right. Yeah. No, that's Cincinnati. That's right. Uh, now they have clearly have to go undefeated, but I, I wasn't going to believe that they were going to put Cincinnati in the top four until I saw it, and now that I've seen it, I'm like, you know what, I fully expect Cincinnati to be in the playoff this year, which is weird to say out loud. And here's what's interesting is, you know, you're right about the eight that have a chance, but really out of the eight, only six really have a chance. We just don't know what six they are. Right. Right. Because after the Oklahoma, Oklahoma state game and after the Ohio state, Michigan game, like, this is essentially a playoff game for those four teams, right? If you lose, you're out of the playoff. There's no way that you're going to be able to make it in. So, uh, I mean, that, that adds another level to it to where we're, we've really thinned this thing way down. Right. And you look at Ohio State jumping up to number two with what they did to Michigan State, man, and with, with Bama – uh, struggling the way that they did, and they they won the game, so you you got to give them credit. But Arkansas definitely pushed them. There's there's really not much of an argument, I don't think, with with the way that that offense is looking. And I know their defense; it's it's better. It's still not elite, but that offense is humming, man. I mean, absolutely humming. So I was not surprised at all when they jumped up to number two. 
Yep, number one offense in the country, and it's not even close. And here's the thing is, you know, I I would I would not be shocked with a win, like a convincing win over Michigan and a convincing win over uh, Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship. Like, there, I don't think, I mean, I don't think it would happen. I think if Georgia wins out, they'll be the, the number one team. But Ohio State would have a great claim to that. They lost the second game of the year when their freshman quarterback, it was his second start, right? And it's clear that he is playing way better now than he was then. And I thought that he even played pretty good in that game. But Ohio State is, it's, it, they are trending in the right direction. They look really good. Yeah. And then Notre Dame is sitting there, right? They're going to be 11 and one. I, I love, I love how it seems like every year people come out and they're like, well, this is the year not being in a conference is going to bite Notre Dame. I mean, they just got to regret it. Listen, I know a lot of people that went to Notre Dame. They love their independence. Like they know what they're signing up for, right? And they, they cherish being independent, like over everything. And I was trying to come up with an analogy for it. And this is what I've landed on, Ted. And it, it doesn't make a ton of sense because Catholics have a ton of kids, but it's, it's like the couple that we all know that are, you know, in their late thirties or forties and they don't have kids. Right. And people are like, you are, Oh, you're missing out. It's the best thing ever. Like, yeah, there's tough times, but it's amazing. Just the love you have for your kids. Like there's nothing like it, which all that now that I'm a dad. Yeah, I get it. Totally get it. But also those people can do whatever they want. (laughs) They have the independence and they know that, you know, not having kids, they miss out on some things every once in a while, right? That's Notre Dame. They're that couple in their forties that is traveling to loot to Tulum in Greece, like back-to-back weekends. And you're like, how do they do this? Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, people with kids, they see, they see like your, I don't know, your social media timeline and all the fun things that you're doing. And they're like, you need to have kids, like not just because it's it's great and it, it's enjoyable. You can, uh, you know, watch your your young one develop and hit all the milestones, but you need to have kids because I'm tired of watching you do all of these things. You need to join us. It's funny, See, that, it, and that's Notre Dame. Like mm-hmm. all these people uh, in sports media this week. Oh, I bet you they regret it. I, well, here's the thing: I like, don't think they do. No, like take um, you know, take take. Oklahoma, for example, you know, if they beat, they're going to have to beat Oklahoma state twice, right? Like that, it would be great to beat Oklahoma state once and be sitting there as a one loss team, having just beaten a, 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 a number seven team in the country and, you know, be, be right there where you need to be, or, you know, like you don't have to do it twice. Right. So that's, this this is the year that, you know, maybe it burns Notre Dame, but, you know, ultimately it can burn people in a conference championship game too if that turns out to be your second loss. Yeah, for sure. All right, really only one game to preview when it comes to rivalry week, and that is number two, Ohio State, at number five, Michigan. 
And man, this one should be interesting. Uh, Ohio State is rolling, uh, playing better defensively. CJ Stroud and that offense, they have kicked things into hyperdrive the last two weeks, but they've done it against bad defenses, right? And Michigan's defense is solid. There are a lot of pros on this defense, and they probably have the best combo of edge players in the country with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. And when, when you watch this game, man, I cannot wait for Ohio State's offensive line against that Michigan defensive line. It, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. And if Michigan can slow down Travion Henderson and, and that running game, that will allow Hutchinson and, and Ajabo to possibly change the game rushing C.J. Stroud. Maybe they maybe they make game, a game-altering play that way. But on the other side of things, the question for me is, can Michigan do what Michigan State couldn't? Can they run the football against Ohio State? And I'm not sure what Blake Corum's status is for this one. I saw him passing out turkeys to people for Thanksgiving, which was pretty cool. He's doing that with his NIL money. I thought that was really awesome. But he, he's missed a lot of time now. And, of course, they still have Hassan Haskins, who I think is a really, really good back. But Michigan's, they've got a solid O-line, but can they win at the line of scrimmage against Ohio State? Can they run it right at them? And if they can, I think that'll put Cade McNamara in in some good situations. But he is. He's going to have to make some big throws in this game. There's no doubt. So this one being at the big house makes it way more interesting. To me, Ted, but I don't think there's any chance we see Ohio State lose this game, right? How many times have they beat Michigan in a row now? It's crazy. I think Michigan's beaten them like twice since 2000 or something insane like that. It's it's way more than you would expect. Um, I think Ohio State gets it done. I, Ryan Day still hasn't lost a Big Ten game, which is crazy since he's been head coach, undefeated in Big Ten conference play. I think 23-0 in conference play, which is an insane stat. Uh, I think Ohio State wins it. But, you know, the Michigan defense is is really the, the thing to watch. If they can stop the run, as you pointed out, that's going to be critical for them because I do think they're going to be able to, to do some things against Ohio State's defense. I think they can run it against them. You know, they could be physical up front with them. I think Ohio State's susceptible to some of that stuff. And, um, you know, I, it's it's been wild watching Michigan at quarterback. Cade McNamara has made some really nice throws recently. And if he could do that, maybe they have a chance to, to stand there toe-to-toe. But I think Ohio State's just got too much offensive firepower. I think they're going to be able to answer. I think they're going to be able to move it down the field, get it out of – uh, CJ Stroud's hand really quickly, but I don't know. There is a part of me that wonders if, you know, all the points that they've put up and the way that they've played against these bad football teams is hiding some of their inadequacies. So I'll take Ohio state. I think they win it comfortably, but I think Michigan may have something to say about it. Hopefully they do. I'd like to see a really good football game. Yeah. Uh, I think we all just want to be entertained, uh, especially 11 a.m. kick. For that one, so we're gonna get to watch the whole thing before Bedlam. So that's gonna be it's gonna be fun. All right, let's get to our winners and losers of the week. 
But first. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks Rubber Safety Surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your children to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, I lied. We got to wet the beak real quick. I forgot about that uh, part. Yes, let's wet the beak. And I, I did this just so you could talk about your Patriots. So yeah. we've got we've got Bears, Lions, Raiders, Cowboys, Bills, Saints on Thanksgiving. Football all day long. That's going to be off, awesome. But there's some big matchups on Sunday. Uh, Browns have the Ravens in Baltimore. Rams at the Packers should be a lot of fun. But, Ted, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your New England Patriots. Titans, Patriots. In Foxborough, Titans coming off a horrible loss at home to the Texans. Now they have to go to play the Patriots. Patriots are favored by six and a half. What do you think? Uh, I think most people are starting to believe that a New England, Tampa Bay Super Bowl is unavoidable at this point. Uh, Mac Jones getting it going. Ramondre Stevenson running the mess out of the football right now. And that defense is playing great. I think they beat the Titans 52 to three in this one. Uh, it's going to be an easy victory. Titans, at first, they were doing some things without Derrick Henry. They were getting the job done. It's since fallen apart for them whenever you put it on the quarterback's arm. Patriots win it easy and cover the six and a half. 52 to three? <laughs> it's just some. I mean, all right. You, Blade you homerism going on there. Yeah. But uh, Derrick Henry gone for the year. Julio Jones on IR. A.J. Brown has been out. And now maybe he'll be back for this one. It seems a little up in the air. But if A.J. Brown is back, it's pretty simple. He's not going to do much because Bill Belichick's going to look at the Titans offense and go, okay, who do we need to eliminate from the game? And no one in the history of football is better at that than Bill Belichick. So yep. I don't think AJ Brown's going to have a fun day if he plays, but you look at that Patriots defense, man, and they have only allowed 13 total points in their last three games. That's hard to do 
in the National Football League these days. And, you know, Ramondre and Damian Harris, nice combo at running back. Then Mac Jones, I mean, that guy, he has settled in. He's playing with confidence. And you know something that was really alarming for me, Ted, is I saw there are a couple different Patriots that, you know, had media availability this week. You know, they're on the podium. They're joking. They're laughing. They look like they're having fun. They what? Lo- this this team is like having fun on the field during games. It is it's scary. It is alarming and I think they just might be the best team in the AFC right now. Like they they got things rolling. Yeah. Well, I think they've done Mac Jones is playing really good. But you know, a lot of it is his ability. You know, he's he's obviously a very capable guy, but McDaniels has built that offense really really smart around him. Obviously, the big physical running game. They've got multiple tight ends that are big weapons that they use quite a bit. It's just and they small they call a smart game plan, a lot of screens, which, you know, is that's a McDaniel staple. We saw that with Brady too, but it's it, it's an offense that's easy for a young quarterback to have success or not easy, but you know, there's there's some plays there to have some good success. They're not asking him to do absolutely everything. They're getting it done with defense and running game. And you are correct, sir. They are the best team in the AFC. Yeah, we'll see. A lot of people feel like there uh, there are a lot of similarities between this team and those early 2000 Patriots teams. So we'll see. All right, let's do winners and losers of the week. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Uh, I have to go with coordinators in college football because with all of these jobs opening up, there's a new one. It seems like every couple of days, and I'm I'm guessing after this weekend, there's going to be even more jobs open up. Now, I think a lot of those big jobs are going to go to current head coaches, and there's going to be different people that it's going to be like a ladder, right? They're going to take some of the mid-level head coaches that have done a good job, take some top-level jobs, but Man, those coordinators at some of the the bigger jobs in the country, Power 5 jobs, are going to be getting a lot of head gigs. There's going to be a lot of coaches off of some of these, you know, top 25 football teams at the offensive and defensive coordinator positions that are going to be getting head jobs. And I think that's a good thing for college football to get some new people in some of those spots. And then you're going to see a rotation from from guys in those top 25 programs that have been position coaches or been coordinators at smaller teams that are going to rotate up. We're going to see some new names and new faces either at head jobs or calling offense and defense at some of these big schools. I think it's something that's going to be really cool to watch. Yeah, and you you look at some of the openings, man. These are massive jobs. So massive. there is there, there's going to be a domino effect, right? Because those jobs are getting filled by somebody, right? Now, occasionally it'll be an off-the-wall thing where it's a, it's a guy coming from the NFL or something like that, but USC's open, right? LSU's open. Florida. 
Florida is open. We hate to see it. We absolutely hate to see Florida be open. But, I mean, those are three top ten jobs in all of college football. And whoever takes those jobs, obviously that opens, uh, you know, opens a a spot at their old place. That spot has to get filled. You assume that gets filled by, you know, other guys at lower levels or even levels. That opens spots. So there is a domino effect to this whole process. Look at the Big 12. TCU's open. Texas Tech has already been filled. Aranda's rumored for LSU. Campbell's rumored for some head coaching spots. You got to feel like Campbell, if he's ever going to go, it's going to be this year. And after Lincoln takes the LSU job, someone's got to take uh, the OU gig. You know, not, I'm just joking. Only uh, half the way joking. You just, but. Made, you just made someone <laughs> swerve off the road. Uh, but it, it's, I mean, it's interesting, man, with the, with the number of, of spots that are open, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy to watch it all play out. Um, crazy, but at the same time, exciting for some of those guys that are going to have some opportunities. Yep. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Double loser. There were, I think they were your loser in the last podcast. It's got to be the Dallas Cowboys again, right? Playing on Thanksgiving, short week. They've got tons of guys that are beat up. CeeDee Lamb had the concussion. I, he's listed as questionable, but you got to feel like he's not going to play, right, on that short of a turnaround. Amari Cooper is still out with COVID. What looked like it was going to be an awesome offensive matchup between these two teams is starting to look a bit suspect. Um, hopefully it still turns into that, but... Man, the Cowboys are fighting it right now. They were playing some of the best offense in the NFL, and now as some of those injuries have piled up, it's been harder and harder to move the football. So uh, I got to put the Cowboys as a double loser, back-to-back. And the the thing is, you know, they're at home against the Raiders. The Raiders' offense has fallen off a cliff too. And, you know, the Henry Rugg stuff, I know, terrible situation, horrible mistake by him, but also – he was a big piece of that offense, right? Stretching the field, Stretching with, the field yeah. with that speed. I mean, that dude is fast as hell. So you look at that. Derek Carr hadn't been sharp, right? They've lost their last three. So I don't know what the hell's going to happen in that game. I mean, that is – it's going to be interesting, but you assume the Cowboys are going to have enough to get it done. And, I mean, maybe – I wonder at what point the Raiders look at it and they go, you know what? Maybe we got to sprinkle some Marcus Mariota in it in, in here to try to light a spark under this offense. I I don't know, but you just assume that the Cowboys are going to win because they're a better team than the Raiders. But who knows, man? They don't have any their offensive weapons really. Yeah, they might win it ten to seven uh, because their defense played great against the Chiefs. They played really good, forced a couple of turnovers, kept giving them opportunities against one of the. Uh, the better offensive teams in the in the NFL. So if their defense can back up the performance that they had against the Chiefs, against the Raiders, I think they can win. But my goodness, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, Dallas, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under 50-and-a-half. Sounds like you like the old under in that situation. All right, if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store, and buy some Balcones products you got to grab some Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world 
by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcony's Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is the reason it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it perfect for the year around. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, the Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconiesDistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Taysom Hill. Listen, man, I was teammates with him. It was only for like eight weeks or whatever, but awesome guy. Works his ass off. But I don't, I mean, an, another four-year contract extension for him that could be worth anywhere between 40 and $95 million, depending on if he ends up being the starting quarterback, like 22 and a half guaranteed. What is happening? What is going on? He's got some dirt on Sean Payton or something, man. I, Sean Payton absolutely loves that guy. They keep paying him a ton of money, and I I think he's an unbelievable athlete, and he is a spark at times whenever they need it, but there's no way you can justify that much money with the production that he has. You just can't. It's crazy. It, it's. I mean, it's shocking. It's the weirdest contract in sports where you're just like, wait, what? But speaking of contracts, my winner of the week, James Franklin. I mean, so much for the talk about him being a great fit at USC or the possibility of him at LSU. James Franklin is not going anywhere. Uh, now, there are some incentives and there's some creative accounting, it sounds like, in this deal, but he has agreed to a 10-year, $85 million deal, essentially, with $80 million of it guaranteed. Ted, this is a guy that is 67 and 32 in his eight seasons up to this point at Penn State. He's won one Big Ten championship, and that was five years ago. It, I guess he, he met with the leadership at Penn State, and it sounds like he told them everything he wants when it comes to improving facilities and improving the resources for his players. And the leadership there at Penn State was like, you got it. Oh, yeah, and here, uh, here's an $85 million deal. I mean, what? $85 million for James Franklin? Like, he's good, but I thought you had to win stuff to get $80 million guaranteed. He hasn't won anything. It's insane. That Now, I'm not saying that anyone can do what he's done at Penn State, but almost anyone can do what he's done at Penn State. They're, they are a slightly better than middle-of-the-road team in the Big Ten. They, they're just, they're okay. They're like Wisconsin, you know? They're... Uh, they got great uniforms and they got an awesome stadium and atmosphere, but that is psychotic. That's ridiculous. That is, he's a salesman. That's, he doesn't even like what, what is his, what does he do? That is, is like, does he have some great offense? Does he have some great defensive mind? 
Like, where are they? In, or like, you could say, well, he's a great recruiter. Show me in the recruiting rankings where he's a great recruiter. I, they're just, you know, they're, they're 10, like in between 10 and 20 every year. Like he's not knocking out top five classes. That that's, that's absurd. But if that's what they want, congratulations. You've got 10 years of mediocrity coming and maybe it's doubtful, but maybe you'll have one big 10 championship in there. Yeah. You, you look at it and I, now I, I do think it's cool that he was like, all right, this is what I need for my guys. Uh, you give me that I'm staying. I, I like that. And, and maybe that ramps up the recruiting, but man, I thought you had to do more to get that amount of money guaranteed. Like at least then everyone's comparing it to the Jimbo Fisher deal at a and man, Jimbo won a national championship at Florida state. Like he did it. James Franklin hadn't been anywhere near a national championship at Penn State. No. I just, I, I can't decide which is, which is crazier. The Taysom Hill contract or James Franklin's new deal. It's, it's one of those things where you're just like, wow. Okay. This Jimbo is- Fisher, as much as I love to troll A&M, he took a bad A&M team and made them good. Franklin has taken a mediocre Penn State team and made them mediocre. Like, what does he like? They got the one Big Ten championship, and I guess you give him that. It was, but it was forever ago. I couldn't even remember it whenever you first said it. But at least Jimbo Fisher has made it. You can see the difference that he's made in the program. And the guy's won a national championship. He's one of only just a few active head coaches that have done that. Like, James Franklin hasn't done anything. And crazy. Jimbo Fisher's putting together really good recruiting classes. Yeah. I mean, especially when you compare it to what James Franklin is doing. So I listen, I'm happy for James Franklin. That's awesome. Get your money, man. But I, when I saw this, this come out, I was like, man, if James Franklin's worth 85 million, how much is Ryan day worth the Ohio state? Like Ryan day had to see this and go, thank you. Thank you so much. Like, like, what? Because the argument can be made that Ryan Day's worth double, right? I mean, they they own Penn State. Ryan Day took over for Urban Meyer, and has made them better. He took over a uh, a, a team, a program that w- recently won a national championship. The dude is undefeated in the Big Ten since he took over the job, and James Franklin's. Signed in an $85 million deal? It's a joke. That guy, I'm sorry. He is the biggest fraud in college football. He is an absolute fraud. He's he's a salesman. He must be one hell of an interview. Oh, there's I mean, no that, doubt he's a great interview. And I'll say this. There are there are many people that uh, share the same line of thinking as you when it comes to his X's and O's prowess or uh or lack thereof but i will say this <laughs> i couldn't stop thinking like james franklin gets this deal and dan mullen who the last couple of years he's he's accomplished more than james franklin is sitting there going wait i just got fired and this dude just got 85 million he's got to be so pissed off it's unbelievable if james franklin had come to me and said hey listen you know that usc job has opened up and i'm just looking at my contract here and you know 
we've got to either work something out or I'm going to have to take that job. That's just the position I'm in. I'd be like, oh, thank God. Please take it. We'll get some money for, for the uh, mediocre job that you've done from USC, and we'll be able to hire a replacement that could do at least as good as you for far cheaper. Thank you. Do you need someone to help you pack up your office? Yeah. Iowa State fans are thrilled. I think they would have been worried yeah. if Penn State would have come open that uh, yep. old Matt Campbell would have would have been an awfully nice fit there. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with the adults that chanted fire Nagy at Matt Nagy's son's high school football game. I mean, what the hell, guys? That stuff, you can do it on Sundays, man. The kid, the, the kid hasn't done anything. His dad's just there trying to watch him play some football. Leave him the hell alone. That's some bullshit, Ted. I saw that. And I was like, brutal. oh, my gosh. That's so dumb. I mean, that poor kid, I don't know how old he is, but uh, I know it's a high school football game, but he's sitting there like, man, I hope my dad doesn't get fired. Like, I, maybe I won't get to play with these guys next year, and maybe I'll have to move. Like that. That's terrible to do to a high school kid. Dumb. It's ridiculous. But my loser of the week, everyone in college basketball not named Gonzaga. Uh, uh, Ted, I know you're not watching basketball yet. Did you happen to catch in any of number one Gonzaga versus number two UCLA? I did not watch any of the game, but I saw some of the conversation taking place on Twitter. Uh, Gonzaga came out and punched UCLA right in the face from the opening tip. It was, it was impressive. They shot the lights out. In the first half, they were up 20 in the blink of an eye, and that's where it stayed, and that's where it finished. They got guys that can score. Uh, Drew Timmy, he's goofy looking, but he can score. Andrew Nimhard, he just might be the best point guard in all of America, and he's 6'5", like he's got length. He's, he's really good. And then I cannot wait for you to see Chet Holmgren. When I first saw the name Chet Holmgren, all I could think of was like, he's a junior college offensive coordinator somewhere in the Midwest. Like that's the type of name that I, I associate with Chet Holmgren. That, that is maybe the best name I've ever seen. Okay. Have you seen Chet Holmgren yet? Yes. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. And by the way, the Julian Strather kid is like six, seven. He's really good too. They are, they're loaded, but Holmgren. Jet, just ridiculously skinny. I mean, ridiculously, like skinnier than Durant was at Texas, but just so skilled, man, super skilled, uh, protects the rim, was really impressive, blocking some shots against UCLA, and kind of saw why people think he may be the first pick of the next NBA draft uh, on that sequence where, you know, he, he blocks the shot, takes the ball down, uh, down the entire court, kind of crosses the dude over and then goes and dunks it. And you're like, oh, okay, the skinny dude is uh, the skinny dude's pretty talented. So it is, it's going to be interesting to see how college basketball shakes out this year. But I think a lot of people are looking at it now after watching that game as Gonzaga or the field. So they look great on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, got out and pushed, pushed the ball in transition uh, because of that defense. And Offense looked really polished. It was it was impressive. Ted, I know you're not you're not into basketball mode yet, but I'm telling you, Gonzaga's good. Real good. We're getting close. We're getting close to to having to get into basketball mode. Maybe 
I can repeat the dumbest take in sports history whenever I said Anthony Davis was going to be too skinny for the NBA uh, and wouldn't be any good. Maybe I can repeat that with Chet Holmgren. You think? Would that be sure. good? Oh, he's yeah. he's way skinnier than Anthony Davis was. Like, <laughs> yeah. he is – when you see him, you're like, damn. I mean, wow. But the skills – the skills are there, and there are two great things about this game. Uh, I guess three. Gonzaga was awesome to watch. That was fun. Number one, Dickie V, he's back after the cancer treatment. Uh, him crying, the emotion, that was, that was really cool. It was yeah. cool. And as, as critical as some people have been of Dickie V lately, uh, seems like maybe he, he's lost a step when it comes to come comes to broadcasting that was awesome to see that moment from him and then the other great thing about this game ted mick cronin ucla's coach after the game the dude was hot i mean just absolutely pissed at his team he said a lot of funny things but he was talking about how his team had no toughness uh they didn't defend and i i guess uh, some people were like oh well it sounds like you had a couple guys under the weather and they asked him about it, and here's the quote. Nah, sniffles. That would add to our colossal softness right now. That this is, is a, that's a, a Jim that Mora is a in the football making. quote from a basketball guy. I love that's it. Right. That's right. That's, a, that's an old Jim Moore uh, quote right there. That's great. That's fantastic. He, Which, uh, hey, every now and then, it's like, Coaches now are so protective of of the players, and I guess I get some of it, but it's refreshing to hear a coach get in front of a microphone and call it how it is every now and then, right? Yeah. He was probably really pissed because him and his entire staff were wearing suits, and, and Mark Few and Gonzaga's entire staff was in, like, polos and pullovers. They were looking super comfortable, <laughs> and it's it's not fun getting your ass kicked. It's less, even less fun when you're getting at your ass kicked and the other staff is way more comfortable than you Not uh, fun at all. Nothing worse than getting your ass kicked when you're wearing a suit and tie. Uh, Brutal. And on that note, episode 167 in the books. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. We'll recap Bedlam. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great holiday. Come on, Bedlam. Deliver. Come on. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do. Take care of each other. Just one more time.